Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Open Guardcast is brought to you by Election Performance. Uh, Open Guardcast 25 is a discount code. If you want to get thick, you want to do squats right, you want to do dumbbell rows right, you want to look like a, a I almost said a curse word because I'm so excited. Electron Performance, Open Guardcast 25, use that discount code and you'll get 25% off of every workout to make you just lean as shit. So we are joined today. My name is Jake Watts and I'm joined by Danny O'Donnell, my esteemed co-host, who is younger than he looks and AJ Souza. Is it Souza? Tusa, I think. Tusa. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're so glad you came on, man. We've uh, I, I know Danny has been adamant about wanting to eat you on the podcast, and I do too. You have uh, I'm looking at your, you've been a black belt for longer than uh, almost as long as I have been doing jujitsu actively. Uh, about since 2013, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. I think it's less time than that, though. Oh really? Um, yeah, I think I got my black belt like. 2016, maybe? 16? It says AJ earned his black belt from Pablo Popovich on the 21st of June, 2014. That's probably true then. That sounds a lot <laughs> more confident than what I said. So more official. 2014, yeah. yeah. He's like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, that's awesome, man, because uh, this is my first, I'm rounding out my first year of black belt. And I love to hear, like, I love, first of all, you have fought some of the best competitors in our sport. And I uh, I watched your match with Michael Liera at the Dallas Open, and that was just such a technical battle. Like your bear and bowl game is super insistent, and I love bear and bowl. I always have. So it's really not, it's really cool to see somebody just like actively attacking that because a lot of people are very, I feel like they're passive with it. Like they go for it and they stay under and they're willing. Like you're trying to take the back now, which is like I love that. Um. So yeah, dude, we're we're both huge fans, and we want to thank you for coming on. No man, uh, I was I watched your matches recently and listened to you commentating on the what was the the tournament third coast grappling and everything. Like I uh, I definitely I remember you even talking about the podcast on on the, while you were commentating and I was like oh man that and the funny thing is is you were my favorite commentator that that was on the show because the rest of them they're like it, it, they're wearing their flannel shirts and their sunglasses <laughs> and it's all like so and you were Getting the only drunk. one that was like actually talking about the jujitsu. I was like they need to hire this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I uh it's funny as I talked to Ryan McGuire and I love Ryan but um he's I'm like hey man you know I'm getting a lot of messages from people telling me that you need to like have me back on and fly me out to commentate and uh, he's I'm, like I'm, I'm on that list hey I really appreciate that I mean you know commentary is something that Danny and I really want to get into Danny is uh what's funny is Danny's like the super one of the most knowledgeable people knowledgeable people in in jiu-jitsu in my opinion and I told Ryan McGuire hey man if you're gonna get me on you should get this guy on too like We'd be the great, great commentators to have. And he's like, oh, those are my guys, man. I can't, I can't kick them off. I'm like, hey, man, I don't know. It's a business. It's a, it's business. It's not personal. You know right. I mean? But that's what it kind of comes off as. It kind of comes off as when you're watching it, like, uh, like a bunch of homies hanging out, you know, watching fights rather than like knowledgeable people giving like in-depth uh, analysis of what's going on and people's history and how people's games stack up against each other. And you're like, Oh, that was an interesting thing because this guy's known for this and this guy's known for that, but that it kind of looks like this is going on and you don't get any of that. It's more like, Hey man, I look good in this flower shirt, right? bro? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah, they were all trying to make jokes like, okay, so earlier that day, 
uh, one of the commentators was in the was in the bathroom, and I don't usually talk in the bathroom. I go there to pee. You know what I mean? Like it's where I go to relieve myself and get out. And he goes in there, tries to make like a funny joke in there, and I'm like, uh huh, I have to pee. So. I go and pee and then I come back and during commentary, he's like making, trying to keep this weird gag that in the bathroom, I divulge some sort of tournament information to him. And in my head, I'm like, this isn't even a funny enough gag to do as much as this guy's like, like, man, he's really milking this joke, this joke dry, you know? And uh, I feel like one, one thing that, yeah, I talked to Danny about yesterday. Did you happen to watch the BGJ stars? Uh, I watched some of it. I didn't get to catch Leandro Lowe's match, but I watched the other ones. I, I watched Gabriel Gonzaga versus Leo Lechi. Did you see that one? No. Man, seeing Gabriel Gonzaga compete in the Gi is really, really cool. Uh, Gabriel Gonzaga, former uh, UFC star, n- uh, never won the UFC title, and that's what I want to get to is uh, how was like former UFC heavyweight champion. And that never happened. That was not a thing. That's a huge thing to mess up because now a whole slew of fans are probably going to think, oh, my God, this guy. Like, it's just an important important bit of information that is important to Gabrielle as a competitor and also important to the fan base to know properly, right? Right. Uh, He was amazing in the UFC. He, man, literally the most memorable knockout in UFC history. Gabriel Gonzaga. When he had kicked. Oh, yeah, dude. When he had kicked Mirko, yeah. I still yeah. have nightmares. I still wake up in a cold sweat sometimes. But uh, <laughs> just like thinking about the kind of commentators you want, uh, and this is like my last point before we get into you. Uh, then that sounded weird. Before we get yeah, into yeah. your. Keep it on. I, like I know you're married. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, um, uh, it would be nice to have, especially for a show like that, uh, uh, one guy who is knowledgeable about how Jiu Jitsu was back then compared to how it is today, one guy that knows the games of the competitors in the card, and one guy who talks really well and hypes right. up. Similar to the UFC, where they have like. Cormier, Anik, and then like Joe Rogan. That's like, dude, all-star roster because you have a guy who fights, a guy who's really sounds great, and a guy who knows everything. It's like that's right. Like e- even when I watch the UFC, my favorite commentator is uh, Dominic Cruz because mm, he he is super knowledgeable and he speaks really well. And he like it's like when you when you listen to Mikey Musumichi talk about jujitsu, it's like when you put that much into understanding jujitsu, you can give insights that a lot of people don't catch unless he says it, you know? So if you're like, oh, that was an interesting thing because this just happened and this just happened, to the casual fan, he's like, wow, I didn't even know that that just happened. So, and especially with jujitsu, I think commentating is is one of the is one of the things that can help it get to a level that everybody wants it to get to because Gordon, Gordon, Gary, and all those Danaher guys have gotten it to where the, the hype is there for the fights. But then when you watch the fights, there's something about the, the, the showmanship of it where you're listening and you want the commentator to sound super professional and knowledgeable and they, you want them to add to the entertainment of the fan. Mm-hmm. But I feel like sometimes, most of the time, it just kind of boils down to who's there. They're like, uh, you want to come and take, come on in. Or yeah. you want to come and take, yeah, come yeah, on yeah. in. And a, a, a lot of the times, because there's even ADCC screen, <laughs> you'll see like they'll have world champion, multiple time world champion jujitsu guys commentating, but they don't speak very eloquently or they don't really like have the, the, the ability to convey what's, what's going on in the intricacies of, of what's happening to a crowd of people that are a lot less good at jujitsu as them. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, to me, I, I, a lot of the times I find myself watching these streams with the volume off because I can't, I just can't listen to the commentary. I'll watch the fight myself and I'll, I'll pick up on what's going on. But 
It's just, it seems to me like uh, the emphasis is more on uh, having a good time more than it is like providing good content, you know? Because mm, I, I, I like, like video games and, and I watch video game streamers and you could just tell that sometimes the guys are really good at the game, but they're not fun to interact with. But then when you have people that are engaging and fun to interact with, Joe Rogan's the best one. People listen to Joe Rogan talk for three hours, no problem. So when he's saying something and he's talking about a fighter and he's talking about these things, no one's like, oh, man, will you just be quiet so I can watch the fight? But a lot of the times, that's what I feel in jiu-jitsu. And I feel like it, it kind of hurts the, the the production of it. Like if I told my wife to watch a, a jiu-jitsu tournament and there was a very good commentator that was entertaining and engaging and was able to explain what was going on, then she could watch it. But if, if, if that's not the case, then she's as lost as everybody else, you know? Yeah, I think I brought this up maybe last episode or the one before, but I was just saying that my favorite commentator is uh, Sean Williams. I feel like he does like a really good job of like balancing like the technical aspects of jiu-jitsu. He speaks well. Um, do you have like a favorite commentator for jiu-jitsu events? I know they're always kind of like rotating. There's not like a team or whatnot, but is there anyone who you listened to who you were like, oh, this guy is this guy is good? Well, Present I, company I, included. Uh, no. Yeah, when he was on, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when he was on, I was like, I legitimately listened to him and was like, oh my god, like this is this is bearable now because <laughs> yeah. I, but that's my know, slogan, bearable. But I, I'm saying this and I, I feel I feel bad because I feel like I'm bashing him, but I'm not bashing him just because you could tell that's their that's their intent. You know, they come mm -hmm. with the sunglasses and the and yeah. the clothes because they want to have fun and they want it to be like a almost like a, a, a party club scene, you know, like, mm. like, and, and, and if that's the vibe that they want to go with, that that's cool. But for me, who's trying to watch Gabriel Arges do a Barambolo, like I'm trying to like pay attention on what's going on. And it would be great for someone like Mikey Musumichi to be able to tell me, look, he's looking for this pan grip. If he doesn't get the pan grip, the guy's hip's not going to be anchored. And if the guy's hip's not going to be anchored, he's going to be able to hip out. Okay, well, let me see what's going on, you know, like rather than, yeah. Man, that guy's pants are so cool. His short shorts are nice. Like, yeah. Now, granted, that Otto's guy had some funny-looking shorts on, but still, like, I don't care about that guy's shorts that much. Yeah. Shout out to Adam Bradley, uh, former That's the guest guy. on our yeah. yeah. Former guest on our show. I hope uh, I hope he's steering clear of the the man that he lived with for a little bit. Anyway, um, you know, AJ, uh, we want to get people to know you that's one of the big points of our show is to is to really highlight jiu-jitsu athletes we believe that there are many many uh not necessarily hidden gems but it goes deeper than just competition so uh i actually wanted to start out with a question this time i usually open the floor to danny because danny is far more intelligent than me but uh i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna take charge here uh you have uh, aj aj susa bjj and uh take me through that process i'm reading here it says that uh your coach to, decided to relocate to Abu Dhabi all the way down there. Can you take me – how was that process of, of getting your own academy um, and that whole story? So this is an uh, interesting story. I don't know how much research you did, but I guess we'll get into it. Um, so I uh, – it was AJ Sousa BJJ just because I had no team. I had no coach, and I really didn't have anyone around. We're now GF team. We're uh, affiliate of uh, GF team. I used to be really good. Not used to be. I'm still really good friends with him. But he used to live down here with Victor Silverio. And Victor Silverio got me in touch with the GF team guys. And, and I've been uh, representing them ever since. I know I haven't been competing much. So it's that's how you learn about people's new affiliations when they compete. But 
uh, yeah, the gym's GF team, like Fort Lauderdale and stuff. So that that's what we've been doing now. But like you said, what happened to me was I was a brown belt uh, for I think a little a little less than a year, and then um, some crazy stuff went down. I don't know how how knowledgeable uh, you guys are on the subject, but. Pablo Popovich was my coach, and he got caught having an affair with, like, Tiago Silva's wife, who was in the UFC. So it, like, made, like, national news. Like, it was – there was, like, Channel 4 was at our gym and everything, and it was crazy. So there was, like, a thing where Tiago came to the gym, and there was a, a argument or whatever, and uh, it was a big thing. So that happened, and then after that happened – the gym was kind of falling apart because we had news cameras in front and a lot of the students were leaving because of all the drama and this, that, and the other. So then Pablo just sat me down one day and said, Hey, uh, I'm leaving to Abu Dhabi. I'm going to sell the gym. If you can figure out how to get the funds together, then, then you could buy it from me. If you can, I'll, I'll find someone else to buy it. So then I was frantically trying to figure out what to do because I didn't really have anybody else in the, in the, in the area at the time that I could train with. So I thought that that was my only chance of, of being able to keep pursuing jujitsu at the level I was trying to. So I, I got a, a buddy of mine. Uh, we figured out how to get the finances together. And then we ended up uh, buying the gym from, from him. And uh, we moved it, changed the name and, and everything like that. And then like as a like stipulation of him leaving, I got promoted to black belt like as like a going away thing. And then I got promoted to black belt and I opened up the gym and it kind of just fell into my lap in this like really crazy situation. I think I was like 22 years old at the time or something like that. And then that's, that's how it all went down. Wow. That is a crazy story. And Do you remember hearing that shake when that, when that story broke originally? No, I, I think I, I, do. Cause I remember hearing about that. I really? Reading, yeah, definitely. I was okay. So I am 22 right now. Uh, you are five years older than me only. So you're 27, mm -hmm. 27. Okay, cool. So you're 27. I, well, five years ago, I was a blue belt five, five years ago, I think blue, or purple belt. So yeah, no, I didn't hear about that. I didn't know anything about the jujitsu scene. I was like blue, purple, even a little bit brown belt, uh, before I even knew a lot of competitors. I feel like this podcast is really what made me like open my mind to stuff happening in the community because now it's kind of like important to <laughs> my you know forward progression back then i was just like i compete whoever i compete against i'll look up i guess you know <laughs> but um that's that's a crazy story no yeah it was it was it was nuts for a little while there because i was uh i was getting like uh screenshot pictures of of me on like uh national news in brazil like brazil like like news channels because it would be like a picture of me and pablo and the the girl and everything and they're like oh this is what happened in america and and i'm on like the channel seven news in brazil i was like oh my god oh dear but then yeah so i definitely didn't like start it from the bottom and grind it up and open a little gym and this no that it just fell into my hands and i did what i could with it <laughs> and I made the best of a good situation and uh you're you're in Fort Lauderdale, Floyd. Flo oh my gosh! You hear that stroke I just had live on the podcast? <laughs> Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yes, we're in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, I was in Clearwater for the Jits King tournament, and uh, uh -huh. I actually met the man who gave you your blue and purple belt, Wagner Rocha. That guy, so fun. He's so nice. And this is like my Wagner Rocha story. I thought he was a Brazilian man, mm -hmm. like 
like I'm talking no English Brazilian man. I didn't know he spoke English. He has beautiful English. Even doesn't yeah. even sound like he speaks Portuguese. I bet he no. does. Um, but I'm like, oh, like my name is. You know what I mean? And he's like, nice to meet you too. I'm like, oh gosh. I'm, and he started laughing and he followed me on Instagram because the confrontation was so funny. He's like, that, that was just so. I was just. It was just so innocently genuine of me to like go up to him like as if he doesn't speak English. <laughs> And then I lost that date. He was like, hey, man, like that was a really good effort, though. I was like, God, it still freaks me out that you speak English, bro. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> but he's really cool. And uh, how OK, so how is Fort Lauderdale compared to Clearwater? Um, I would say like uh, the South Florida scene, I think, for jujitsu is just uh, I it has like different roots. I would say like if you were doing if you had everyone in Florida like get together, I would say excluding Orlando, where I think Bruno Malfasini teaches. But the South Florida area was more like a gi heavy IBJJF competitors. Pablo wanted to win Nogi Worlds and, and ADCC and stuff like that. But it, it, it kind of started a little bit later or, or earlier than the, the Central Florida scene. So the Central Florida scene, as, as far as I know of the guys, a lot of them are into that new school, like Nogi sub only, like uh, – uh, style of jiu-jitsu and a lot of us like when i was coming up we had the miami open was like our world championships short of the world championships that's what we trained for is get the gi on if you win the miami open you're the best in florida that's how we used to look at it that's cool but uh a lot of the guys from uh like that central florida area <coughs> are more like no gi sub only and they would come down and they would do like the smaller tournaments and he'll hook everybody and all the guys that that we're training nothing but gi and we're world champions are getting subbed by like purple belt kids who are doing heel hooks. And it, it was, it was kind of interesting to see that transition happen because I feel like South Florida had way stronger jujitsu for the most part when I was coming up in, in the jujitsu world. And then now they have their powerhouse and now South Florida is trying to catch up like Wagner, Cyborg, all those guys are now going more no gi now because that's where the money is. Cause like, Cyborg used to do no gi, but he was a huge gi competitor. Like he was always yeah. training in the gi. Everything he did was in the gi. And Pablo and Wagner would try to convince him to do no gi and and things like that. But now everybody does no gi. So it, it it's just it's interesting because those guys like really came into their own. And I like if I have to fight a no gi sub only tournament and it's in South Florida, I would feel a lot better than going to Tampa or something and, and fighting a no gi sub only tournament because those guys are gonna flood it. Wow. How would you uh, compare the Florida jiu-jitsu scene to, like, some of the other, like, hot spots in the country? Because it seems like there's obviously a bunch of high-level schools like your academy, Cyborgs, Wagners. But there's also been – seems like a lot of really high-level competitors that kind of trained in Florida for a period of time. Maybe they don't live there anymore, but I know, like you mentioned, Mikey. I know he was training in Florida for a while. So do you feel like Florida was on par with, like, New York, California, um, those those bigger states? I, I, I did for sure, but there's something in the water down here because people can't stay teammates forever down here. It's like we we had a we had a team uh, a while ago where it was like the Avengers. That's what they called it. And yeah, it was, with Pop, Pablo's was like the the head of it, right? And Cyborg. Yeah, it was like Pablo Cyborg. Bushesha was training with us then. Uh, it was like Cyborg Wagner and Pablo were like the kind of heads of it. And I'm telling you, like it. The, the, the rooms that we were training with at the time, like all of the fight sports guys, all of the guys from Pablo's gym, and then 
all of the guys coming from uh, from Bushesha and them used to come from a, a team called the Armory, where they got hired to come down and, and do jiu-jitsu and things like that. It was nuts. It was insane to see, like, what was going on. And then that year that we were a team, uh, we, they went to Nogi Worlds, and they did the absolute, and Pablo, Cyborg, and Bushesha were the three at the end. So they literally did rock, paper, scissors to find out who was going to win. So we had the top three guys in the world in Nogi training in the same room every single day with all of their protégés and all the lower belts that came with them and everything like that. So at that time, I would say New York, or Florida could have done anything against any of the states at that time. But now, like, California blew up so much, and, and New York has gotten so – and New Jersey, same thing, where – it's gotten so strong that I think the only really strong, strong team in South Florida is fight sports because everybody like my gym's real small. There's a, there's a bunch of guys that are kind of on the fringe of fight sports and, and we, we compete uh, uh, like for our gyms, like the Mahecha brothers are another one, like yeah. uh, Brian and Kevin Mahecha. They're mm-hmm. super, super good, but we, we like, we could never fit it together where we got all of the good guys in Florida to train under one roof, you know, for yeah. some reason or another. But hopefully at some point we could figure it out and, and get uh, uh, like something like it, it used to be back. Because, I mean, like I said, those those training rooms, you couldn't you couldn't we would go to Nogi Worlds and you would fight and you're used to training with Wagner one role, Pablo another role, Cyborg another role, then Bushesha and you got to fight a blue belt in blue belt nogi worlds you're like oh my god this is this is like a restaurant you know that's how how it was then that's a crazy but that's a really is the avengers like i remember (laughs) hearing about that actually i do remember hearing about that and thinking oh my god like i had had to look up cyborg back then because i kept on confusing him with mma cyborg like mma male cyborg Mm -hmm. yep and then i find out he's this old man in (laughs) jujitsu right like i was told that like 35 in jujitsu is like if you're competing as an adult at 35, that's really commendable because everybody's 18, right? But then I see him whooping people, and I'm like, that man is that this doesn't matter. Like the age, yeah. is, age is. I don't really know how number. old he is, but I don't like. I don't want to fight him. Like, I think he's. Okay. Yeah, I think he's I'm not 40 now. Fight Cyborg when he's 60 years old. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's just not something I'm interested in. Yeah, he shook my hand, and then I have a big hand. I'm six three. And he engulfed my hand. Like I was like, this is not even a handshake. This is just a statement. Like oh, this is he's a, every you, handshake is a threat. <laughs> and then when you train with him, he starts flopping around you like a like a uh, like he's Bruno Malvasini. And I like you almost want to stop him and say, Hey, listen, bud, like if you land on me, I could die. <laughs> <laughs> like I am not two hundred and forty pounds, so stop. Right. right. Like, don't I was move like sixteen like at the time. I was like, I'm not even fully developed yet. Like don't don't stunt my growth because you want to do a hip break pass, okay? Mm-hmm, yeah, I I see. When, okay, let me ask you: when you were when you were younger, coming up, were you um the kind of like, did you have an easy time develop or rather, let me ask it like this: you had did you have to learn technique in place of strength, or did you already have strength when you were younger? No, I, I started at like fifteen years old or something, and I went right into the adult classes. So I was I had to use like. I had to use good technique and speed to get by because I was always the smallest guy in the room. And then once I got older and I started getting some weight and getting some strength behind me, it was it, all of the guys like Wagner and Pablo and Cyborg, they're all like strong pressure passers. So if that's what you're around all the time, 
I was like on, on, I was the opposite when I was younger. And then once I got bigger and started to learn how to use my weight and stuff, I, I kind of fell in line, but I definitely don't feel like, uh, like no one fights me and goes, Oh man, that kid was strong. Like, <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> no, see, I'm, I'm the same way. And I feel like there's something to be said for that. Like if you're a kid and your development phase is you have to, you like have to learn, it's almost like immersion. Like you have to learn technique. Otherwise you won't survive exactly. kind of thing. Right. And that's I think I don't that's what I had to, to do. Right, and I'm not flexible either, so I can't be like Mikey and <laughs> figure or that Tommy. whole thing out. Yeah, yeah, so I can't I can't do any of that. So I was like, I have to be the most technical guy to win because I'm not flexible and I'm not strong and I'm not very smart. So <laughs> I had to I had to I, figure it out. I feel like if you're a jujitsu black belt, there's a built-in reminder that you're smart. It's called being called professor. If you if <laughs> if people with belts that aren't black come up to you and say hey professor and you're like you know still feeling like Duh, then that's you got to remember your professor you know what i mean i think you're <laughs> Even smart. nobody calls me professor i don't i don't have any of that stuff if about. i ever meet you in person i'm calling you a professor so <laughs> no, don't do that <laughs> I, i'm now like, I'm if, if in my gym it's like people get culture shocked there because like i don't i don't really have like any of the traditional like jujitsu stuff like the like there's a lot of gyms that like you go on the mat, you shake the black belt's hand first, and you do this and you do that, and you gotta tie your belt facing the wall. Like, oh my God, there's none of that in my gym. If you turn your back and face the wall when you tie your belt, my guys will actively make fun of you for the rest of your time <laughs> at the gym. Nice. Like, it's it's I I try to drop all of that that stuff because like I said, I took over a like multiple time world champion, multi, like ADCC champion gym at 22 years old i couldn't walk in and people be like oh professor it was like i watched that kid watch the ufc fights and stumble out of the bar like <laughs> like three weeks ago and i'm supposed to call this guy professor now like, nice. like yeah oh yeah 22 huh yeah <laughs> so you, you look you look at the black belt who's been training for 14 years and has been training under pablo and some 22 year old kid who just got promoted to black belt and you're gonna go to his class and you're gonna call him professor i don't think so i guess that is a little what is <laughs> what would you say is one of the big the most like the biggest points you think people would be culture shocked by in your gym like like is there we, is there one thing that stands out that you do different that you feel like people would come there and be like they wouldn't be able to adjust that it's it's like super super american version of of it like we my whole gym is just people talking smack and 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 training like my students verbally abuse me like <laughs> if i god forbid if i get swept in the gym if i get if i get swept or i get my guard pass oh my god like we have group chats that just people ranking on each other all day. So like if you walk in and you're like a jiu-jitsu school should be like a respectful place where you learn martial arts and, and the instructor walks in and goes, oh, man, here comes the freaking loser. And you're like, oh, the instructor, a loser. And it's like, yeah, it, it's it's it, my gym is 100 percent different than any other gym I've ever been at. Like people people come in and they're like, oh, what are the rules? What are this? What are that? I'm like, listen, none. Just do whatever you want. And that's it. Like we, as I think that most people fall in line and, and do what they're supposed to do, but like, they're not openly disrespectful or anything, but like <laughs> with our guys and our team, we're, we're a small group of guys who have been training for almost like most of us, like seven or eight years together. So we, we don't have any of the hierarchy of belts or anything. That's still the, the, like students, like I said, students of mine who are blue belts have carried me out of 
places before because I had too much to drink. So it's like, I definitely, you know, how you're supposed to have that line between like student and teacher. You're supposed yeah. to like not cross it. And you're supposed to, I'm, I'm the student, you're the teacher. So that, no, that does not exist with me at all. <laughs> like my students are my best friends. They're the guys I hang out with outside of the gym. They're the guys I talk to every day on group chats. Like there's no, no one that trains at my gym that I don't like personally as like a friend. I've had an, I, you know, and I, Danny, I don't know if you, I'll ask you, uh, if you've had an experience like this in a second, I actually have a story. Uh, I, I had just gotten promoted to black belt and now I'm like assistant coach at the gym and me and my professor, Andre Matacaba run our academy. And, uh, it was also around, I didn't get to celebrate my 21st birthday cause I had Nogi worlds the week after. So I was like, man, I can't drink a whole bunch. Right. I drank a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> but I still felt guilty like the whole week. Um, and thank God I ended up doing good. But I went out with a group of white belts and a blue belt. And they were like, hey, uh, coach, if you want to, you know, like, we'll we'll take you out and celebrate your birthday. We'll buy you drinks. Like, come on. Like, you just got your black belt, man. And we got to celebrate both of them. I'm like, all right, cool. So we go to this karaoke bar in uh, Arizona called Monkey Pants. And I and I I'm purposefully. Yeah, it was awesome, dude. It's sick. It's like that is like a stage and you get to go up there and sing. I sang Rocket Man by Elton John. I blew the house down. So I. Uh, I, I go and I'm super nervous because I'm like, oh, man, like what if like I, I ruin that line of teacher student? Mm -hmm. But then so I drink a gallon of water before I go because I'm scared I'm going to get hung over. Uh, and I go and I get like just destroyed with with uh, my students. And I'm like, dude, I'm having such a fun time. And they're, the when I, one thing I realized is they were never, ever disrespectful. It just made us closer friends. Right. And we're not in the gym. So there doesn't need to be that boundary. If we're smart enough to like, okay, obviously I'm not going to show them favoritism because they went out and took me out for drinks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's not what it is. I think as a coach, it's healthy to have that, hey, I'm a human being trying to teach you something that's going to better your life. But right. I'm also your friend. Like I'm all right. – we can also be very, very close friends. Family. You know right. what I mean? And, the, I uh, think yeah, the hard balance it. is there. I think the hard balance is there is when you come down to business stuff. So it's like it's all fine yeah. and dandy to be cool with your – your students and stuff, but like you still have to be comfortable saying, Hey man, like you didn't pay this month and, and the yeah. gym needs this and the gym needs that. So it, that's where the line gets blurry. And, and I lost that completely with my students. I think if I asked some of them to, to some of the guys that have been with me for as long as they have to pay, I think they would laugh in my face and walk away from me. But it's like, but like I said, we, so we took that, like that one experience you had, we took that and did it 600 times and then <laughs> we became best friends and then we like it, it was it's just become too close of it now if there's if we're in a fundamentals class and there's a bunch of white belts and stuff around like they obviously they tone it down and they're, they're not yeah as, for sure bad but like yeah when we do our pro trainings or we do like our, our trainings where the the competitors are the only ones there it's it's not a very respectful scene <laughs> yeah and i i I feel the same. Uh, we have kind of the same dynamic. It's a lot more traditional in my academy. Uh, Danny, how how do you how did your academy? How does Marcio Andre Jiu Jitsu stack up compared to the two experiences that we've shared? I feel like it's kind of a kind of a good blend of like more traditional and more relaxed. Um, it's definitely I would say it's probably on the more relaxed side, but there's definitely some rules and we don't have to like face the wall and tie our belts and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, we're also not like shit talking to each other during the rounds. <laughs> mm -hmm. So my, my professor made one joke one time about the belt bar having to be on the right side because the picture of Elio Gracie was on the right side. And I accidentally took it seriously. So now I have a permanent crease in my black belt from tying it one way ever 
that if I tie it a different way, I notice like tying it, it doesn't tie right. So now I have like my belt bar is just on the right side. You'll never catch me with my belt bar on the other side, actually, in any tournament, any pictures ever, because it's just permanently creased like that. It's so funny. And Andre's like, why'd you do that? It was a joke. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> See, like that, that's the thing is I, I have been a black belt for how long? And I had no idea what side the belt bar was. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm it's still first year. I'm that nerd. It lands on when I tie it. Like that's yeah. it. It surprises me as well as you. Yeah. See, I, but I like took that seriously when I first became black belt and then my belt developed the crease. And then by the time I realized he was kidding, it was too late. Now it already has a crease. Now it, it the belt won't tie the other way. Like now it's just like whenever I pick up my belt, it naturally feels like, okay, I'm supposed to tie it like this, you know, it doesn't take the, the IBJJF penalty time. So we're good. <laughs> I'll, I'll take as much time to make myself look pretty as possible. I'm not doing myself any favors. The longer you do jujitsu, the uglier you get. And if you quit when you're a white belt and have cauliflower ear, you're just an ugly dude who can't fight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it sounds like you have like a, a really good environment right now. I know you said you're like really close with your students, but was that very different from like when it was the the Avengers and you had like all these world champions? Did the environment like obviously it changed a lot, but like was that kind of a hard transition for you to get used to like training with all these monsters? So now you're just kind of training with obviously the guys you're training with are still very good, but mm -hmm. it's w was it hard to make that adjustment from one environment to the other? No, I, absolutely. That was that was one of the the decisions that made me. I, I don't know if you guys are aware, but I left the jiu-jitsu scene for, I think, about two two years now, but I became a firefighter. I am uh, I work for a town down here, and I work 24 hours, 48 off, like every other firefighter in the world, but I had to, like, stop and go to EMT and fire and medic school and all that stuff, and one of my big decision makers for that was I felt like it was – taking a lot more dedication and and it would be a lot harder for me to be as successful as I wanted to be with my current situation than it was when I had three guys who were multiple time world champions that I could bounce questions off of or honestly if I just wanted to go into the gym and just not win any rounds go in and, and know that I had to get better and, and things like that but when you only train with your students that have been training with you forever like you go in and you learn everyone's game and then you start to kind of get a distorted view of how good you are because you're crushing everyone in the gym and then you go to a tournament and the guy doesn't respect your game or doesn't, you're not his coach. So he kind of fights you a little differently. And then now you're, you're in like a dog fight that you're not used to being in. So it was, it was definitely hard to make that transition. So I kind of decided like, Hey, I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to go do this firefighter thing and, and, and kind of set myself up like for my family and, and money wise and, and things like that to kind of be a little bit more secure. And then I'm going to, figure it out now so i think just yesterday was the first time that i've been back at at wagner's gym in in eight years wow so wagner was my first coach we had a falling out and then we just reconciled yesterday <laughs> the oh. first time that i had been back that's so, awesome awesome so man. Yeah, yeah he was good to hear he was my first coach and and he was the one that kind of started that vibe where that vibe that that we had when we first because when i first started at wagner's he was a brand new uh, black belt. He didn't have anyone in his gym above blue belt. It was all whites and greens and blues because it was a brand new gym, brand spanking new gym. So uh, that that environment was where I kind of based off what my gym is now with the whole family family vibe because that's how he ran it too. But I, I hope to, I hopefully I've been speaking to, or I spoke to him yesterday and and 
I have aspirations that I want to do the ADCC trials this year. And I, I think that we're going to try to work it out where me and him can get a camp together and hopefully me get back into competing uh, a little more. Oof. I love it. I love to hear that. Uh, Cause I saw, I saw he hadn't competed since 2018, man. And I was like, dude, I was like, I wonder why. And uh, cause coronavirus only came out this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, that's, that's super cool. I, I, I love hearing people return to competition. Competition is just a huge part of my life. Uh, yeah. I was going to do that. So. Jits team. That was supposed to be my comeback, but I got, I, I was training for it and messed my wrists up really, really bad. And went to the doctor, got x-rays, got a cortisone shot in it. And then I was training after my cortisone shot and I didn't feel the pain. And I went to post my hand out and it like collapsed on me. And oh, man. like it just come like it bent like backwards. So oh, I, I had to go to the doctor and I got I got some some uh, injection stuff that like is supposed to help you heal in it and, and all that stuff. So I. Uh, I'm starting, I just got back into training, I'd say about a week and a half ago from when the Jits King was. That's when I, I was in a full camp. I had lost like, like 14 pounds. I was ready to go. And uh, I was so excited to fight Oliver Taza. I wanted that so bad, but. That been fun. He's I, good. I, he is then, good, uh, dude. But uh, it didn't work out that way. But I know that, um, I know that I, I'll get back and I'll get to get those guys eventually. So. Cause I, that's my thing is I wanted someone like, I feel like uh, a lot of people I've been out for so long that they forgot. So I need to go back and I need to make a statement quick. So I didn't want to do a tournament where like, if I, if I got in the fight and I lost to some no name guy, it was like, it wasn't going to look good for me. So if at least I lost to Oliver Taz, they're like, oh, Taz is good. But if I beat him, they'd have been like, Oh damn, AJ's back. Like that's, that's kind of what I was hoping for. Yeah, so that you bracket was crazy. Keep going. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so you mentioned that you were thinking about doing the Jits King and you want to do the ADCC trials. Like, does the the way the Nogi scene is now, where it's like a little bit more professional, there's some money involved a lot of times, like, does that motivate you to want to get back into competition too? I know you said that, like, part of the motivation for getting into firefighting was to, like, be more stable and have a better financial future, but... Um, was that ever something that you thought about too? Like, there's no money in this. Like, oh, absolutely. There was none. Like before, yeah. it was like you had to be Bushesha or Hadolfo or one of those guys to 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 make money in jujitsu, and it's it it was like almost an unobtainable thing where you had guys that like Lucas Lapree and Bruno Mappasini who are who are ten times Bruno Mappasini's won Gi Worlds ten times. But, like, what purses was he winning for, for these fights, you know? Like, maybe he got a super fight here or there and he made some money. But, like, I would legitimately <laughs> ask him, how much money have you made by getting on the mat, shaking someone's hand, and winning a fight? And it, it's it's not anything that you would live on, you know? That's why every great jiu-jitsu guy owns an academy. Like, yeah. all those old-school jiu-jitsu guys, Hoppa Mendez has an academy, Guy Mendez, Andre Gavon, all those guys. I'm telling you, if the the – jiu-jitsu scene was like it is the nogi scene right now where he and nogi were having so many fights and so many ways to get paid none of those guys would have gyms they would be fighters they would just be fighting all the time making gordon ryan money because they were winning everything and and they would be able to put out dvds and stuff like that but it it, it just wasn't available back then you would spend 500 dollars to get on a flight to fly to california to stay in a hotel to wake up and go fight and you lose your first fight off of some crazy decision and then you got to fly all the way back and you spend a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks to go go fight a tournament. Mm -hmm. Now 
they have it where, hey, we're going to fly you out. You're going to stay here. If you win, you get this much. If you lose, you get this much. And it's like, just for that to be an option is is awesome. And the other thing, too, is I like it, it's so much more engaging, you know, like, do I want to go fight? Gee Worlds and have to fight Lucas Lepree and, and the guy, I forgot the guy who came in second. I think his name's Lucas too. He just fought in a third coast grappling. Lucas Valenti. Yeah, that guy. Do I want to go fight him and all these guys and go into this tournament bracket where every guy I fight is going to be super good? Or do I want to go fight Gary Tonin with blonde hair, blonde mustache, and a Ronald Reagan rash guard for 10 grand? <laughs> you know, like, like, that just seems so much more fun, right? Like, it, it's. It that really sounds crazy. Right. It just, I, I don't, the, the allure to get back into the gi scene is just, it's, it's not, I mean, I still want to do gi, but it, it, I'm more excited about doing no gi. I think it's just more exciting thing right now. And how, how the production value of ADCC has gotten like, man, it, it's insane. Like, whatever, whatever that Mo guy and whatever, um, Seth Daniels did with, with that tournament, man, I had never been entertained as much as i was at the last adcc like that if that if you watch that and you don't want to get to that tournament one day like man you you shouldn't be doing jujitsu because that was like gut-wrenching you know like watching like uh, for me like watching wagner fight like jt torres and all those guys and and uh, uh i think in the one before that he fought gary tonin and, and doing all mm-hmm. that man i'm like dude that like it just looks like so much fun to go out there and, and, and compete so I, I, I hope I do good at the trials and I, I hope I could get a spot out there because that's like, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Man, it makes me, it makes me wish uh, that there was more Nogi available in my training. Cause we don't, we don't have a Nogi program in my Academy cause we mm-hmm. don't have the demand for it with our students. So it's like, it's kind of sucks. Like I'm, I'm mostly a good competitor, but like, I definitely want to compete at ADCC one day. I think I'm just going to have to bide my time because like i said it's my first year at black belt and mm-hmm. i sometimes get caught in this overthinking mode where i'm like i gotta do everything now but that's not the case at all like i have a lot of time i have yeah, a lot of time to get better yeah, but yeah absolutely. i definitely uh this is an open guard cast guarantee that you will see me at adcc <laughs> and aj see too me there and well yeah we know that he's on the show <laughs> everybody who comes in this show is blessed right this is how it works so, no, so that, I, I definitely I gotta figure it out and I wanna I wanna start I just talked to Wagner. Wagner says he tries to compete every month, so he definitely has the hookups and stuff to to get into competition. So once I feel like I'm I'm in shape enough and I'm healthy enough, like I'll just you'll you'll start seeing me at as many things that I can compete in. So like I don't expect to come back and and be right back to where I was. Cause I think that competing is a skill in its own where you got to get more comfortable. Like I got to feel more comfortable and, and things like that. But like, I think Wagner's approach to it where, Hey, just compete as much as you can. And, and, and don't worry about if you win or lose because your main goal is going to be ADCC trials. So compete as much as you can until then. So you can feel more comfortable, but that's the plan. Cause I, I, I definitely, there's so much availability out there. So if you, want to fight there's fights for you where there wasn't that many before you had to wait for the IBJJF tournaments to come around but now if you want to get out there you can get out there i mean coronavirus kind of screwed that up because there's only like certain states they could do that in but yeah yeah arizona's not that state arizona <laughs> is the opposite of that state and so is florida Flo- i mean florida's pretty bad too right yeah well, <laughs> florida's 
we we don't i don't think anyone knows what we're doing around here (laughs) (laughs) well after my visit in florida i can definitely say there's definitely not a lot of direction in clear water (laughs) it was crazy dude that was the craziest trip i've ever been on i will always tell that story you guys got josh leduc in your state yeah yeah you guys are fucked (laughs) i'm just kidding but uh yeah for sure um man i feel like uh that this topic kind of comes up a lot in a lot of our episodes is like guys kind of getting away from the ibjjf scene and the gi scene and going towards the no gi just because of the the opportunities and the professionalism and stuff like that like do you it's kind of a tough question but do you feel like if this would have been around like when you were younger do you think your career would have gone a different direction like maybe you wouldn't have a school maybe you would have just been a fighter like you said like some of those other guys Right. Absolutely. Like if, if I was a 16 year old kid right now starting jujitsu and I'm watching what Gordon Ryan does, I don't think any kid right now is looking at anything other than what Gordon Ryan's doing and say, I want to do that. You yeah. know, like, I mean, um, I couldn't even tell you who won the last Gi Worlds. I'm sure I, 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 if I thought really hard about it, I could, but like, uh, it just, I don't understand why you would like a little kid getting into it would see, what he's doing and, and legitimately be entertained and, and more like drawn to it than who speaks very little. And, and like my hero when I was introduced to was like Lucas Lepre. That was the guy that I liked the most. And the guy says 14 words a year and <laughs> he's super nice and super respectful. And, and I love to watch him fight, but like there was, there was no, there was no place for any money to be made there in, in Gi World Championship Jiu-Jitsu. So what does he do? He opens up an academy. Like, that's just what you did. But now that there's another route, like, I, I don't think you're going to see, like, even Wagner's kids. Wagner's kids are, like, high school age. Like, one's 18 and one's in high school. And w- w- both of them are like, I don't like Gi. Why do I want to do Gi? <laughs> no Gi's where it's at. And I think that's going to be the mentality of most of the kids because they, they're – you want to be do you want to be Hodger Gracie or do you want to be Gordon Ryan? Like it. it I it, have a different opinion, but I get your point. But you but you know what I'm saying for, yeah. for a career wise. Yeah, career wise, financially yeah. and right. like the amount of attention you get, that type of stuff. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's it's nutty how successful the guy's been because he he built I think he built the blueprint. I I think whether I agree with how he handles himself online with the 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 um being like super controversial and stuff is another thing but his blueprint of be the best in the world make make people understand your worth and then put out very well put together actually result-based instructionals and people will buy it and you will make money you don't have to open a school yeah because i don't know if you've watched any of his instructions his instructionals but they're good they're very good instructionals and they have very good concepts that you can grasp and you can get better before it was like you would watch a, a, a instructional and the guy's like, yeah, so in this position I do this. And then if the guy does this, then I do this. And and then that's the move. And you're like, why the hell did I spend money on this? Or did you ever go to a seminar? You go to a seminar and you listen to the guy talk and you're like, what the heck did I pay for this? Because you, you – like, bro, if I wanted to watch you just do the moves, I could just watch you compete and I could see the moves. Like that's not an issue. I want to understand why you developed a game in this way. What are the benefits and what are the weaknesses of it? And, and Gordon will be the first one to tell you, like, hey, I do this because of this. I do this with stronger guys. My, if I go with uh, uh, 
more aggressive guys that are explosive, I, I change it up this way and I do this and I do that. So it, it's, he, he set the blueprint out there to, if you want to make money, like it, it can be made. Okay, and I think so that there's a lot of people that I think if there's a lot of people that have the same talent level as Gordon, like they've been there, but they make, they make significantly less money because the blueprint wasn't out there yet. But I think if the next guy, the guy who takes over from Gordon, I think is going to follow a much more Gordon-esque style of jiu-jitsu competitor than they would like Andre Galvon and open a school and doing all that. Because opening up a school is hard. Running a yeah. school is hard. Mm-hmm. And there was like a thing where all the guys who opened schools up lost the worlds one year. Like I remember the Mendes brothers lost and, and um, uh, Galvon lost that year to I think Pena or whatever. And it was just one of those things where everybody who opened up a school started losing because it, it takes your attention off of you. And that's yeah. – you got to be selfish if you're a competitor. It's got to be about you. And and it's it's one of those things that I think – if you would have told me right now, even owning a school, would I rather just train at my academy and be a full-time competitor or run it and be in charge of the business and the taxes and the uh, employees' checks and stuff like that? No, no, no. I don't want any of that. Just let me come in and train, win tournaments, make money. Like – that would be way 